Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I am so pleased to introduce my guest this evening, Jeannie Moon. Jeannie is a Long Islander, a librarian, and the author of a series of contemporary romances entitled The Forever Love Stories. Her titles include The Temporary Wife and Unexpectedly Yours, and those titles have been published by Intermix, which is the division of Penguin. So welcome, Jeannie, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are Hi, you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for well, having me. I'm so me. happy to have you here. And Jeannie is also, I forgot to mention in, in the intro, she is also president of the Long Island Romance Writers. So, yes, I um, am. Yes, she's, she's a very, very busy woman. And I, she has a really interesting story to tell in terms of her writing journey. So maybe, Jeannie, you can start by telling people how long you've been writing professionally and how you finally got the call and got an agent and, and got a publishing deal. You know, it was very funny. I started writing in, I guess it was 1990, 1999, and um, I wrote a, a book, and I thought it was fabulous, and it was this, you know, 110,000-word saga and I I finished it, and two weeks later I started sending it off to editors. And not nothing, no proofreading, no, I, I just sent it. But I, I actually got some very nice responses, some very encouraging responses. I found an agent to work with me, and everything seemed to be going great. Um, we revised it, it was wonderful, it looked like it was going to sell, and then every the, the bottom fell out and nothing sold and and it was just upsetting my agent was great we, we still are friendly um she's not my agent anymore but then um i got into a very bad car accident in 2005 um and i was i got out of the car okay but i just couldn't sit to write so i had to go on hiatus for a little while um and then I went back to writing, and, um, you know, that 2010, I rejoined my local RWA chapter. I became more active. Um, I really started to buckle down more seriously. My kids were also older, so I think that made it easier for me because I don't know how people with young children carve out time to write because it's so difficult. It's just, you know, it, 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 when you've got a job and then little kids, it's, it's very tough. My kids are adults, so it's easier for me. Um, and then um, so you have a little less of the mommy guilt, which I, I do. I have much less mommy guilt. I do. I, you know, at this point, my children are all adults. I still have two who live home. Um, you know, while they they you know kind of make their way and they've got their jobs and everything. But um, yeah, I don't have the mommy guilt because they can feed themselves. They can drive themselves places. I, you know, they they want their own lives, so it's okay. Um, and this is good. It's it's a good transitional stage for all of us. It's um, I have three kids, and they're 21, 23, and 25. And um, they're all starting their way in the world, and it's good. And I always tell people, find something for you because they leave. They leave, and you have to stick with something else. You know, you have to have something to go with. Um, but anyway, I, in 2012, my father was very ill, and I actually ended up writing a lot of this one book um, at his bedside while he was very sick. And um, he was getting close to the end, and on his last lucid day, he had heard about our Long Island Romance Writers, our annual, we have an annual event. And he said, well, well, it's coming up, right? And at this point, I didn't know if I was going. I didn't know what was going to happen with him. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens, Dad. And he goes, yeah, you're afraid I'm going to die. 
and I went, I kind of like took a deep breath and I went, oh God, do I just like confront this? He's like, you know, it's not news to me. He goes, I know what's happening. He goes, I understand. And he said, you have to promise me you're going to go. And I said, well, let's see. He goes, no, no, you have to promise me you're going to go. He said, because, and please don't think I'm, this is, I'm not trying to bring anybody down, but this is just proof that you have to just kind of hang on to things. He says, what's going to happen if you don't go and I die? He goes, or I die and then you decide not to go. And I said, well, he goes, the next day, Jeannie, I'm still going to be gone. He said, you have to go because you'll still be here. And, yeah, and so I did go. Um, I got a whole bunch of requests for my book, um, agents, editors, and that following Monday he passed away. Um, On the last day of my bereavement leave, I was home before I went back to work for the, the end of the school year, and I had a few cards in front of me, and I picked two of the agents I really liked, and I sent off the first three chapters. Within five days, I heard back from both of them. They wanted the rest of the book. And within three weeks, I had two offers of representation. And I keep thinking my father was up there pushing those dominoes down as they go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, then it was his we were, last gift to you. Really yeah, it really, like it really was. It, it's. And it was just, you know, that, that push I needed. You know, and I kept thinking, you know what? He said there were too many missed opportunities in my life. And my father lived a good life. He was 85 when he passed. He worked until he was 82 and a half. Like, he, he never stopped. He always had a great attitude. He was just that guy who, who made friends with anybody he met. So, you know, it, it was for him to, to say, look, this is, this is something you have to do for yourself. I, I did take heat. I did pay attention. And... Um, so over the summer, we were working on this series, and in August, I get a phone call from my agent, the one I, I ended up going with, um, and she said, I got a call from Jesse at Penguin, and I said, okay. She said, they have this idea for a series, and they want you to take a crack at it, and I said, excuse me? She goes, they've been trying to to figure out who could write it, and they're their established authors don't really want to do anything with it right now. She goes, and she wants you to give it a shot. I said, she wants me to write a book. She goes, oh, no, all you need to do is give me a synopsis. I said, a synopsis? She kind of wanted, she wanted a marriage of convenience. She wanted a category romance that they could package as a single title. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay. So I wrote this six-page synopsis. I handed it in. A week later, I got the call from my agent, and she goes, yeah, they offered you a three-book deal. I go, wait a minute. I said, I'm unpublished. I don't sell on proposal. She said, you did. She goes, you got a three-book deal. I did get advances. I got, you know, all these, these things. And she said, there's only one thing. You have to write the book in six weeks. I said, excuse me? <laughs> and that's when I looked up at my father and went, thanks, Dad. <laughs> you know. Um, and in the meantime, I wasn't only just working. I was directing the school play. So that was my afternoon. Um, and we were doing... Midsummer Night's Dream. So we were doing Shakespeare on top of everything else. So I, 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 I talked about it. The books are sixty-five, seventy thousand words. I looked at my timing. I said, "All right, let's do this." And and I, I went and I, I, I'm not generally a fast writer. I've learned to be one. And um, the first book was due around Halloween, November first, and right before my deadline, Sandy hit. And so. We were very lucky we didn't have damage or anything, um, but we um, were without power over a week. 
Yeah, because you you helped me. <laughs> I remember, and um, we lost power, and um, but I was able to keep my laptop charged, and um, I finished the book. And as soon as Penguin opened, because they were damaged, they were because they're downtown in New York City. Um, they had some damage, and when they reopened, I re- submitted the book, and I got it in on time, which was really pretty amazing to me. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was the yeah. temporary for wife. People who did, yeah, for people who didn't, you know, from other parts of the country, I mean, Long Island was just devastated. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was lucky. I got power back in probably about a week and a half before mm-hmm. a lot of other people. Right. Um, but my my day job was complete. It was downtown. I was on Wall Street, like yeah. right by the water. So I was displaced for about six months, and it was just really crazy. It was a crazy, crazy time. So the fact that you wrote your first book in mm-hmm. six weeks during all of that is really amazing. But Yeah, and so I never really thought I was the type that could do it. That was the thing. Yeah. I was always yeah. going, oh, I'm a pantser, I'm this. I learned how to be a plotter with The Temporary Wife, and I learned how to be a very disciplined writer. And that's what's helped me keep up the pace with the books because I do have very short deadlines on them because the book that I have coming up in May, that'll be my third book in a year that has come out. So, And I wrote them all from scratch. It wasn't like I had a backlog of them you know, on my computer. I wrote them all. And then I have a deadline June 1st for a book that's going to come out in, in October. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nutty, but it's it's very... I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm an adrenaline junkie and I don't realize it, but <laughs> it's just um, it was a, it was a really good thing. And Temporary Wife was well received. I was very proud of it. Um, it's a book that that did well, and um, and it was um, it was a, it wasn't my usual thing. Um, I don't you know I'm not the type of person to say oh I'm going to go write a billionaire. Um, but they wanted a billionaire book. That's that we were very hot right then. And so I said, well, I'm not going to do a land developer because everybody's a real estate developer. So I made him a computer geek, and it was a lot of fun. So he was a tech mogul, and she was a kindergarten teacher, and it was great. So, um, But they had a lot of chemistry, and it was a fun book to write. Um, I have to say that I kind of, for people who don't know, if you're a writer and you're listening to this, you'll understand. And if you're not, I can try to explain it. But when you, the characters start to really emerge they almost like take over, like you can feel them. It's like it's very strange. Like I think about it all the time. Um, I'm like, okay, I gotta stop. I gotta focus on something else or, or whatever. But it's it's a very very strange thing how they really just take over and you you hear. And when you write, you're literally hearing them talk to you um, in your head. And it's it's a when that starts happening, that's that's like you know the writer jackpot as far as I'm concerned. But that was now, do you happened. think the fact that your first book, you had such a tight time frame and it was during you know, the, the craziness of Sandy, do you think maybe that pressure helped your writing? It helped you not stand in your own way and you allowed those people to really speak to you? I think so. Um, I didn't think so much about it. I didn't have time to. And right. you know, we, we often hear so often, just let the words go. Let them go. <laughs> let them hit the page. And... That's exactly what I had to do. I didn't have time to go back and edit and stop and start and go back and fix. And I think it made a huge difference because it definitely changed my style. My style became tighter. The writing was tighter. It was cleaner. Um, 
it was the the I, I really had to think about motivations. You know why the characters were doing certain things. I couldn't let myself write into a corner. You know I couldn't write myself into a corner. I didn't have time. So I really had to think when I sat down every night to write. I said, okay, what am I going to write about today? And I'd, I'd have a plan, and I wouldn't necessarily map it out detail for detail, but I knew where it was going to start and where it was going to end. And once I did that, it went. And it was so funny because as a librarian, I mean, I'm a high school librarian, so I work very heavily with the kids when they write their research papers, and I co-teach with the English teachers a lot. And um, I was saying to one group the other day, I was like, when you outline, I said, and you do your note cards and you do everything you're supposed to do, I said, when you sit down... I said, you can go, okay, I'm going to write paragraph two and three today, and this is what they're about. I said, you will find the writing so much easier. And I'm going, geez, that's just what I do. It's the same kind of thing. It's just yeah. about breaking it up. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly it. how, and then I think we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. because I have the opposite problem from you. My, you know, I still have a young daughter, and mm-hmm. so I have really, really limited time to write. And so I may have a half hour. And in order to just make that half hour count, I have to really say, okay, I need to, in this two pages that I can get written, I want character X to do Y. And you really have to be that disciplined because otherwise, you know, you you can wind up just writing and writing and writing and writing yourself into a corner. Mm -hmm. And for me, I don't have enough time to write, to allow myself to write things that are not going to make it into the book, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Yeah, I, I don't overwrite. But you have to think about it. Like, I think about my books, it could be like three or four months before I even, like, put pen to paper because I'm still thinking about, like, letting that character talk to me. And once mm-hmm. you let that character become alive in your head, then they become, become alive on the page. Yeah, so, and they um, don't shut up either, if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jeannie, what's always really impressed me about you is you have been really, ser- at least my impression of you, is that you were, when you decided to get serious, and I, I think it probably was around 2010, right. you really attacked the publishing industry. You made sure you knew, you made contacts with people, you knew what the, the trends were, and then you stepped up and took a leadership role in, a cha- in an RWA chapter. So that, to me, I think, do, do you think your, the agent's, took that as a sign of your seriousness about about being published? I mean, how do, you, how do you think that helped you get to where you are today? That's a really interesting question. I hadn't thought about it that way. I do think agents and editors look very, they, they look very kindly on people who are members of Romance Writers of America, which is, a, you know, a very large organization. I mean, you know, it's sometimes like a dysfunctional family. It is, um, you know, and it's got all different, parts to it and people and and everything else but I do think they look very kindly on it and I do think that it's like anything else I think sometimes the more you do the more organized you are I I always found that in school you know when I was more busy my grades tended to be better um and it, it, I I do think they they look I think what they look for is people who are interested in really learning about the industry um and learning who's acquiring what, what the houses are doing, how different, um, how the business works. I, I do think they look for that. And I think agents, agents are, are 
you know, some people say, oh, you don't need an agent. I, I, I love the fact that I have an agent. My original agent left agenting, and I'm, I'm now with um, another agent in the, in the literary agency. So I'm very happy. I do like having an agent. I like somebody who I can call up and go, you know, this happened, and I really don't. And this way I can be the good guy with the editor, and she can be the bad guy. And right. she can go and say, okay, look, this happened. It shouldn't have. And then I can just go, oh, let's talk about my story. You know, I can keep that really easy relationship with the editor, and she can keep the business end of it. And to me, that's worth it. Um, mm-hmm. You have a buffer. I, yeah, they, it does. It, 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 it allows me to have that really cordial, creative relationship I need with, a, with my editor. But I, I do like the business end of it that I have with her. But finding out about the business, finding out who's looking for things, finding out how to submit, how to query. I, I spent a lot of time on that. Um, Romance Writers of America gave me a lot of resources. Um, I went to the conferences. Um, in 2011 was my first conference. Now, I had been a member of RWA and Long Island Romance Writers back when I first started writing. But my kids were younger, and it does make a difference. Um, I couldn't go to conferences. I would make meetings sporadically because I was running this one to baseball or this one to the barn for horseback riding and this one for this. Um, and my husband you know, was around because you know, he, he had the kind of job where he could be very available. But I had three kids. It was like a tag team sometimes. It was like, you know. And, right. um, and I do think that once I said, okay, look, I'm going to do this, and I went to, to the national conference, I met people, I talked to people, I wasn't afraid to ask things. Um, I would, I would ask editors and agents, and I would, I would say, well, you know, are you interested in this, or you want to see it? The worst thing they could say to me is no. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of was my attitude. It was the worst thing somebody could say to me is no. And I think that came from when, as the older I got, I started writing when I was in my late thirties. By the time I got published, I was in my late forties. <laughs> and um, actually, I think. No, sorry. I turned 50 when I published my first when I turned 50 when I got my contract. So, I think that changes things. It does change how you kind of look at something and go, "You know what? I got nothing to lose at this point. I have to do this." And I think as long as you're professional and polite, nobody's going to poo-poo that. Nobody is going to look at you and go, "Oh, get away from me." So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think a lot of writers, I'm not one of them, but a lot of writers are very <laughs> introverted. And and so it's it's against kind of against their nature. And so mm-hmm. if you I think if you're not introverted and you're willing to put yourself out there and have confidence, I think that can only help you. So, you know, I think you have that in spades. So like I said, I've I've always found career path, you know, I something to aspire to in my own writing and and very admirable like i said you 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 just always be seem very serious about you wanted to go you had an idea of where you wanted to go which was a more traditional um mm-hmm. publishing path and you pursued that and and i think that's great maybe you could talk about why you decided to pursue uh, traditional publishing as opposed to self publishing okay so a lot there's um, a lot of discussion i think within yeah. rwa and our own writing group you know, some mm-hmm. people taking one path or the other. And why did you choose your path? Um, I just, I had started out on the path, and, and I guess because I had started out on the path of of traditional publishing even all those years ago, I mean, the the editor that I ended up with was the assistant to the editor who liked my very, very, very first book 
14 years ago. Um, so there, there's a lot of connection. Um, I always just felt as though the traditional, and, and now that I look at it, for me, I like the fact that I just ha- I have to write. That's not to say I don't have to promote. It's not that I don't have to be an advocate for my book. But a lot of it is taken care of. Um, I, I don't have to worry about making up my cover. I don't have to worry about editing and copy editing and hiring people. That I don't want to do right now. I also think for me, and this isn't to say that other people aren't going to go a completely, completely different way. And I God, people who self-publish and go at it great guns and, and really take it on, I give them a lot of credit because it is a tremendous amount of work to do yeah, it. Yeah, me too. It, me too. It, it's just, it's so much work. It, you are the publisher. And that's what I said to, to a chapter mate recently. I was like, you know, you have to take this on. You're the publisher. I said, so you need to do all these things. So it's okay if you you know, do this or do this or do this. You, you know, you're everything here. Um, but for me, it just wasn't something I wanted to try. I wanted, When I finally decide to self-publish, I want to have a backlist. I want to have a following first. And I think I will self-publish. I think I'll be a hybrid publisher. I think there will be times that I'm, I'm writing for a publishing house, and I think there will be times that I'm writing some things, and I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to put this up myself. And I'm going to take control of, of the creative process from start to finish. And and I'm okay with that, but I think I want to have more of a base first. I'm very much about foundation. I like to have a solid foundation, so I think that you know plays into to how I work and and my you know how I think and everything else. Other people they're jumping in with both feet, and um, some people are going to be really successful. I think other people are going to have a little bit more of a tough time. But you know what? There are people going traditional that are having a tough time. So. Yeah. What I think about publishing is that it's constantly in a state of flux. I'm seeing the publishing houses adapting to it quicker than agencies are. And that's what I'm noticing. Um, I think if your agent, and then I I also don't know how I feel about agencies who then offer self-publishing services or whatever, because that's a whole other, you know, ball of wax. Um, but I do think publishing is adjusting. I think Romance Writers of America is adjusting. They have an entire self-publishing track at conference. They did it last year, and they're doing it this year. So they're really offering a lot more for the person that decides to go indie. Um, and I think there are people who have been, who have been tremendously successful um, publishing on their own, which if you have the time and the wherewithal, good for you. But I just right. don't. <laughs> it scares me a yeah, little. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, there's... There's no way um, I, that I would even contemplate it. Like I said, I have so little time. Mm-hmm. I want to spend it either writing or promoting, and, and that's why I started the show because it was I thought it was a fun way to promote mm-hmm. um, and, and also to learn. You know, I think that's almost I, – I did I started the show to, to promote my books, but it's really turned into something else, and I, and I feel like I learn more than anything else, and it's my way to connect with other, other writers and other people in the industry. So um, – like I said, I th- I think the flexibility is great, and mm-hmm. like that's you know once you have a foundation, then you have the the then it probably makes more sense to do the self publishing. But um, now maybe you could talk a little bit about what you, the Forever Love Stories are about, what the mm-hmm. heat level is, and then I know you're also working on on books that are outside of that series. Right, I am. Um, the Forever Love Stories started out, and it was funny, we didn't have a series title when we went in. We just had the temporary wife, and um, basically what I did was I had these um, these really terrific siblings. I had the Rossi siblings, and they 
were they'd grown up on an estate, but then you know they they were like their father was like the the estate manager, and there was this very wealthy family, and I set it on the north shore of Long Island. Um, and basically, what I did was I ended up focusing on each of the siblings in the in the series, and I also focused on the very wealthy family and the connections, the Campbells, um, between all of them. And um, the the honestly, it it evolved very organically. Once I had Megan Jason's story, which was the first one, you know, then Caroline in the second book started to emerge. And I'm going, oh, here's somebody and. And she was an engineer, like you know, she's a girl engineer, and and that's unusual. That's different. There aren't a lot of them. I happen to have one. My my middle daughter is a civil engineer, so I picked her brain a lot. Um, but then Josh, who who was really kind of a jerk in the temporary wife, um, he ended up being just. Everybody said he was the most lovable hero. They loved him so much. I go, see, you don't always know how somebody's going to be when you know they're they're. You don't always know somebody. Um, and then I, I was able to evolve and I'd get Kevin in there, who's in the third book, The Wedding Secret. And um, and I I have a, a real love for writing athletes. That's what I ended up starting out doing um, when I first wrote my very, very first book a zillion years ago. Um, and I got my athlete in there because Kevin's a pro baseball player. So, um, And he's, of course... I didn't match him up with any shrinking violets. His the heroine in that book is tough. She's a businesswoman. She is a Harvard MBA. She is just really, really strong. As far as the heat level goes, it's hotter than some and not as hot as others. It's not anywhere near what I would call erotic. I don't tend to use some of the language um, that other people have gotten comfortable with. Um, I tend to use my euphemisms very well. With regard to love making, I focus on the emotion. Um, mm-hmm. So it's that's that's really it for me. Um, I, I don't close the door. Um, and the third book in this series is really it starts like it starts very hot. Like the pro, it's a prologue, and people have read it and went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so did you read it, it at one real, of the meetings? Actually, yeah, I, I did. think you read it at one I of did. our critique meetings. I yeah, did. It's, because it's so funny as you're talking, saying, "Oh, I'm not really that hot." I was like, "Really?" Because from what I remember, <laughs> you got a little hot. But do you feel now you've gotten more comfortable writing the hotter stuff? And you know, I agree, your writing is definitely not erotica, but it's mm-hmm. definitely hot. Now, do you feel each book has gotten a little hotter? Did, was that hard for you to even you know get to the heat level? That book, that particular book, it just lent itself to it. Um, mm-hmm. It was fun, and I, 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 I write. I write sex, I write it, um, but I also think I write it in the context of relationships, and that makes a difference. So, yeah, I write hot, but I don't write, I mean, it's certainly, like I said, I don't use some of the language that, that tends to be a little bit more, and I don't mean this as an indictment of anybody, even people who are oh, contemporary okay. romance authors, there's all different, there's just some language that's a little bit cruder, a little bit more base. I don't use it, um, and it's mostly because I just don't feel comfortable with it. Um, and then, but that particular prologue, what I liked about it was it was just fun. It was sexy. It was, it, it, it showed the chemistry between the characters and I really enjoyed writing it. And I have to be honest, it wrote itself. I just sat down one night and went, how am I going to start this? And it was, you know, the first line came to me, Harper Poole didn't usually do slutty, but there was a first time for everything. And then it just, it just went from there. 
and um, the characters just really, that particular book was easy to write. It was, I, I had about five or, I think I wrote it in about six weeks, and um, wow. but it was an easy book to write. It was, they just jumped off the page, and um, they they really, um, I have to say that particular book was one of my easier ones to write. I didn't agonize over it the way I usually do with a first draft. I hate first drafts. I, I will revise till the cows come home, but I don't like drafting. I'm one of those writers who's going, oh, what could I do? I could clean about 50 closets instead of working on my book right now. Um, it's like, oh, um, what do I have to do? Oh, the house needs painting? That's fine. Um, it's, um, I don't like writing first drafts. I like having written the first drafts. I think there was, um, yes. I think, oh, who said that? Gertrude Stein? I don't like writing, but I love having written. I'm, I'm right. probably misattributing that quote, but that's kind of how I feel. So <laughs> she's, um, but yeah, so it was a fun thing. But I do, I do write hot. I mean, I write. I don't close the door on the sex, and I don't mess it, mess around. They have sex, and they're adults, and they're in relationships, and that's the way it is. So, but it's fun. It's all fun, so and, and everybody's you're, happy. And, you, and all your books are all contemporary romances. That's yeah. where you would characterize them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is that where you see your writing going forward. I'm going to stay with contemporary. I like contemporary. Um, I don't know that I could write a historical. I, I think I'd mess up all my facts. Um, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm good with, with history and stuff. I just think the detail that, that historical authors have to do. And then the other ones, somebody said, well, you know, you're a high school librarian. Would you write a YA? And I'm like, I deal with these kids every single day. I just don't know if I want to get in their heads. I really yeah. don't. It's, you know, well, I always say I always say that you know I didn't really enjoy being a teenager to begin with, so it's not mm-hmm. a part of my life that I want to, you know, spend a year of my life writing yeah. about. Although I mean, I've, I I've read my, some. My, no, I've I'm read some fabulous I, YA. I have, go ahead. Yeah, I've um, you know, a lot of my earlier books have focused on women in their 40s, late 30s, mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s, mm-hmm. and the book mm-hmm. I just started, um. It's it's going to be 25 years over this woman's life, so I'm oh, wow. starting with her college years, and so she's you know 18, and I'm like, wow, this is really hard because how do you make this 18 year old sound like they're 18 and not you know 45? So right, exactly. You know, yeah, and that's it. So and I don't know if I could write new adult right now. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I know that's the hot genre. I get it, and I think it's great because I do think there was like that. That gap, and my my heroes tend to be, and heroines tend to be. Caroline was my youngest that I wrote, and she was twenty seven. Um, Harper's in her thirties. Everybody else is in their thirties. I think that's a good time you you get, especially with men. They kind of, and my husband will even say this. He goes, he goes, you know, he goes. We get past that stage. He goes where we start to think, yeah, I want this. You know, we think about the rest of our lives. We think about. Well, am I going to have a family or children? He goes, and yeah, guys do think about those things. Um, you know, men do. So I, I, I that tends to be where I, I tend to put them late twenties, mid thirties, in there. Um, although one of the books that I am working on to get ready to go on submission is an older woman, younger man story. She's forty, he's twenty nine, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What? Not, no, when you told me that, I was like, he was, I thought he was going to be like 21. That's not, no. you know, that's not. It's not I mean, horrible, but, you know, yeah, she's, she's, she's divorced and, and she's 
coming out of a really bad, like um, emotionally abusive relationship. He's a professional athlete. She's got her own notoriety with her career, and it's, but it's just not, you know. So she's got, you know, issues that she's got to get past herself. This is a romantic women's fiction, and it's um, the romance is very steady in it. Um, but you know, he's got to grow up too. You know, he's living the life of a pro hockey player, and it's just. But it's, it was fun to write. It's a great. It's a great read. It's. It's probably. I think. I think David is probably my favorite hero ever. Like that I wrote so far. <laughs> I really love him. Um, and it's just that whole. It's a great dynamic. And. Um, but I do like. I generally put my heroes mid mid thirties. I think it's a safe place to go, with regard to their maturity and, yet still having the need to grow, in some place you know, some places. But, um, yeah, YA would probably be the only other one, and I don't think I could. I just don't think I could do it right now. I just don't. Yeah. So, and then, I don't know. I, I'm not really an erotic, but I like contemporary, and it's, it's served me well. I probably would do a women's fiction. I would probably have yeah, that Yeah, that's direction. where my books kind of lend. Yeah. You know, I think I started off women's fiction. I kind of veered into my paranormal. But my paranormal mm-hmm. could just easily be women's fiction because my focus is always the women and their journey. And right. the romance is great, but I've, you know, for a lot of my books, the romance is almost secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I tend to, I think I, I read a lot of women's fiction. So I read romance too, but I, so that's where I, te- that's been my bent as well. But women's right. fiction is great. You can deal with a lot of issues and still weave in the romance. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's it. So. And I mean, I, I listen to Kristen Higgins and, and she's a, a been a lovely friend to me, and she is moving. She just got a, a big old deal from Harlequin and for four more books, but she also got two women's fiction titles that she's going to be writing. And it was interesting because it was right around when the readers came, the reader nominations, which for people that don't know, that's the big, that's like the Academy Awards of Romance. And one of Kristen's books that she wrote last year, The Best Man, fabulous, absolutely amazing book but it didn't get a reader nomination. And she says it's because I put too many other issues in. It's mm-hmm. not a straight romance. There are too many other issues woven around the romance with family and, you know, different things that the heroine is dealing with and the hero is dealing with and the baggage that they have. She says, so she's always had that little women's fiction kind of thing, and I do the same thing. So it's interesting to see that for her, and this is probably, if, if I have the kind of career that she has, God willing, um, she's now going to be moving into more women's fiction titles, um, you know, dealing with the women's, the women's journey and, and family issues and things like that. Um, and I think that's a very natural extension of contemporary romance. I think as a lot of contemporary romance writers mature and they get more books under their belt, they find they're weaving those issues into their stories. Um, Susan mm-hmm. Wiggs did it. Um, and if you look at her now, she does write romantic women's fiction, but she started out as a historical romance author and doing category and stuff like that, and then she's evolved from there. Um, and I think it's a very natural progression. Right, and you can deal with, like, a lot of the, the themes that I deal with are, mm-hmm. you know, the death of parents and and divorce and mm-hmm. the relationship between mothers and daughters, the relationship between sisters. That's interesting to me, and that's what, that's, you know, my life and and a lot of other women's lives too. I mean right. it's kind of the journey that many of us go through. And actually I'm very excited to be 
um, talking to Kristen Higgins on June 4th. So I'll be sure to ask her about her transition into women's fiction. And yeah. She's a great our local chapter. She's, uh, I'm really, she's a wonderful speaker, and I'm, I'm very excited to hear her. So, again, people, June 4th is when I'm going to be speaking with Kristen Higgins. Now, we're running a little short on time, Jeannie, so maybe mm-hmm. you can tell people where they can find you online. Oh, um, my website is probably the best place to go because it has links to my Facebook page, Twitter, Pinterest. Um, you can email me from there. I have a blog, and that's www.jeanniemoon.com. Um, and it's um, there's a contact page, and my, my links are all up there. So it's easy, easy, easy to find me if you just go to the website and you can, you know, um, click away and, and find me in all my different haunts online. And unfortunately, I am very addicted to Facebook. And Twitter, not so much. That's not my thing. But Facebook, definitely. I probably spend way too much time on it. I had to put a program, a program on my computer to shut it down when I write. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I do have this program right. called Antisocial. Well. It zaps it, yeah. Now, so. and maybe you could just run through the again the names of your the books in your Forever Love Stories. Sure. Which ones are all out? I think are they all out? Is there another one coming? Uh, the next one's coming out on May twentieth, and that's the Wedding Secret. But they go in order: um, the Temporary Wife, which is just about a year old. It actually came out a year to the day prior to the Wedding Secret. Unexpectedly Yours, which came out last November, The Wedding Secret, which is coming out May 20th, and that's Harper and Kevin's story. Um, And then I have a fourth book that I'm writing in that series, um, and that's due out in October. It's still not titled yet, um, but I have um, two military heroes. I have a nurse and um, a Marine, and he actually is tied to the software company that Jason Campbell from the first book owns. So all of the people are connected. Um, you know, I, I kind of just leave them all in each other's orbits, which is kind of fun. And so that now, one comes out in October. Will, and that's going to be out in October. Now, do you think that will be the last book in that series? Or? It's possible. They do. There is one more that we have, like, on on deck. Um, but I have to see what Penguin says, and we have to see what, what other things unfold. But... Right now, um, I have a contract for that book, and then they said, you know, let's let's talk about the other one. I said, okay, you know, I mean, we can always talk and see what they want to do. I think it depends on what happens with anything else that I have going on. Um, you know, we do have these other stories, and um, but I I do enjoy, I do like these shorter books. I didn't think I was gonna embrace them as much as I did when I first heard how short they wanted them, and I was kind of like, you know what, this is kind of fun, you know, and it really does. They have to be very tight, which is nice. And it, it's like I said, it, I really matured as a writer because of them. So, right. Well, great. I mean, they, they've been very successful. I know they've gotten a lot of really great reviews, and mm-hmm. I'm very excited for your new book that's coming out. So, Jean, thank thanks you again so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure, and um, best of luck with your new book. Thank um, you. Yes. Thanks again, and maybe I can have you on my show again. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted to remind people again, Kristen Higgins is will be on my show on June 4th. I am also scheduling some more interviews for May. Um, I've been on spring break, so I've been neglecting my duties, but um, hopefully I, will, I have a lot of people who want to be on the show. So um, all the information about the shows will be on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com, and also on the Blog Talk Radio um, website. So you can check that out. Also, please like my Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page so you can always stay up to date on the show. 
Also, I wanted to remind everyone that my four-book series, The Devlin Legacy, is out and available by Kensington. Uh, the first book in that series, The Devlin Witch, is available, and it's only 99 cents. So all of my covers and um, excerpts from all my books are on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So thanks, everyone, for joining me. This is Bernadette Walsh, Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>